Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. It's Thursday, February 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. Coming to you from San Francisco, I'm Chris Hill. Happy. We're not in the studio, are we, Mike? No, we are we're, sitting. We're definitely not in the studio. Our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, is just sitting in a chair right next he to you. He is not behind the glass He's today. He's not behind the glass. Uh, we are at the Hotel Nico in San Francisco, and that's the voice of Industry Focus host Michael Douglas, who's joining me today. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. I appreciate your being here. I appreciate technology that enabled me to send you a message while you were, I don't know, 30,000 feet in the air saying, hey, <laughs> I see when you're landing, and I don't know what you have planned for the rest of the afternoon, but I'd love you to come tape a podcast with me. And thank God, because I wasn't really paying all that much attention to the market today, and it seems like it was on fire. Like, Or certainly, if you no. pay attention to the headlines, the Dow down a thousand points although let's face it on a percentage basis it's it's significant on a percentage basis but a thousand points ain't what it used to be yes you've got plenty of much smaller uh point losses that represented 15 and 20 and 23 percent of the dow uh, in the past those were much 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 bigger single day losses this certainly painful. My portfolio is hurting. I'm sure yours is too. I'm sure just about everyone who's listening to this has their portfolio hurting today. Yes. But it's not historic by any stretch. That's true. And um, I, I have to credit our colleague, Tom Madigan, who's one of our editors at The Motley Fool, who um, sh- uh, shared something on Twitter, which I think every investor needs to remember, which is that every other correction in history has favored the patient. And it sucks to see your portfolio going down. And certainly it's when we talk about the signal and the noise, the signal is looking at your portfolio and seeing the very real results. The noise is the fact that this is probably the lead story on the nightly news, uh, you know, not just financial media, although I think CNBC and, and, and others are doing sort of their markets in turmoil special editions tonight. Well, and the piece that I'll throw out there as well is that, like you said, you know, this is the second largest point drop in the history, but it's just not that big on a percentage basis. But of course, everyone's leading with this title that it's the second biggest point drop in history. And that's true, but a little misleading. So I think we touched on this the other day, maybe with Bill Mann, but looking at uh, why would we have various market drops and one of the ideas that came up was the very real possibility and now it seems not just a like a possibility but even a probability that we're going to see interest rates going higher and i think that when you look at i'm not saying it's responsible for all 1000 points but probably the heavy lifting of this market drop is institutional investors looking at the amazing run the market has had and saying this has been great and now with interest rates probably going higher, I'm going to start to look to park some of my gains in safer vehicles. Right. And when you look at it, the the Fed's, the market's consensus has been the, that the Fed would raise interest rates probably up to three times this year. Um, but New York Fed President Bill Dudley, who's a centrist at the Fed, said in an interview with Bloomberg today that could potentially see four. 
And I think that's part of what's spooking the markets. Because keep in mind, if the Fed increases interest rates, what that means is bonds will get more attractive from a yield perspective. And suddenly you might, I mean, so the theory goes, see a lot of income investors going for the improved yields over there and leaving stocks. And that would, well, <laughs> that would cause stocks to go down and that could be uh, an issue. Sort of even more broadly though, thinking about the underlying businesses, interest rate goes up, lending uh, rates go up, and that means that it's harder to borrow money uh, at low rates. And so companies might not be able to fund as much of their growth through debt as they've been able to these past eight or nine years. And that is could be a real problem. I love that you added at low rates, because let's face it, it's not hard to borrow money. <laughs> right. it's, you, there are plenty of banks that are willing to lend these companies money. It's just not going to be at the sweet, sweet rates they've been getting for the past you know, five to eight years. Right. So uh, let's move off of the market and in general and on to more specific company news, because it is earnings season. Twitter, holy cow, fourth quarter, a stunning report from Twitter. They reported a profit. Yes. And shares of Twitter. I think, by the way, I, Twitter, where we're sitting right now in downtown San Francisco, I'm pretty sure Twitter is within maybe a, a quarter mile, half mile of where we are. So, um, if, if, <laughs> Speak quietly. <laughs> if, if, if when we, no, I wasn't going to say speak quietly, just like probably speak loudly because the, the champagne popping that, you know, you, you might hear off in the distance <laughs> right. is Twitter because their shares are up, finish the day up 12%. Yes, and it's interesting. Uh, when you look at that move to profitability, they really got there by trimming costs. So um, their costs are down 28% year over year from $861 million to uh, just over $620 million. Um, revenue itself only up about 2%. Um, and you saw, but the good news in other areas, their daily active users are up 12% year over year. Monthly actives were up 4% year over year, although flat sequentially. So um, certainly some good signs of growth there. But let's face it, we've known, I think, for a while that Twitter's top line was slowing down. And there's nothing here that really changes that, that piece of the context. Do you think there is, I don't want to say increased pressure, but I think if you're, if you're someone who's looked at Twitter particularly someone who uses it, like if you use Twitter and you think, well, I like this. I mean, I, I, I use Twitter, but I don't own shares. I'm not looking to jump in right now. I mean, I'm happy for them that they had this quarter and I get that they got there through cutting costs, but I'm already looking ahead three months from now to see, great, can you do this again? Yes, and one of the things that I'll highlight here is that their ad engagements are up 75% but their ad rev is up only very slightly. And that's a sign that their cost per engagement is actually down, so down over 40% actually year over year this quarter. So that to me is a sign that, so ad rates are falling, they're able to make it up right now by essentially better click through. <clears throat> but the question is long-term, are they going to have any pricing power on ads or is this going to be just uh, sort of more and more and more clickbait on the ad side? And I think that's an open question. Personally, for me, I'm also staying very firmly on the sidelines. All right, I wanna to get to um, what you're gonna be doing tomorrow at our investment conference in just a second. But first, I wanna say thanks again to Rocket Mortgage. Uh, getting a mortgage, refinancing your existing home loan, not easy. And when you're making a big financial decision like that, you wanna be as confident as you are in your everyday life. And Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home. Because it's simple, it allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Did you want to jump in? 
You have that look on your face like, wait, I've got something I want to add <laughs> No, I, I've just done a very similar ad read a few times. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash full equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. Not 48 states. Not like 37 states like some of those hack outfits. <laughs> no, 50. They're legit in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Um, Want to th say thanks. Uh, got a couple of email today. Uh, from Finland, because we were talking, uh, I think it was on the Apropos of Nothing podcast uh, episode about the Winter Olympics in Finland, and I, I, I said something along the lines of, I think we have listeners in Finland, but I'm not sure. Today, to email uh, from Nils Johan England, England, sorry for just butchering your name. Um, uh, in your episode from the 31st of January, you requested a shout out from people in Finland. Well, just wanted to say hi. I listen to most of the Motley Fool podcasts, and I live in Finland. You guys do a terrific job of inspiring investors around the world, so thank you. Concerning the Winter Olympics, I'm looking forward to hockey. I bet you are if you're in Finland. I mean, come on. I mean, this is... You guys are set for this. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hockey and also the biathlon, where I hope Kaisa Makarainen gets a gold medal. I, another name I mispronounced, but all right. Go Finland. I uh, also got an email from uh, Juha... Serenin, another nice person from Finland whose name I'm butchering. So, so thank you for those emails, and thank you to everyone who came out last night uh, at our gathering at the Golden Gate Tap Room. We had, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say more than 30 people came out. Um, all kinds of listeners came out, and it was great. Um, some are members of our services, some are people who are just getting started in investing. Um, but it was great to just learn about how they listen, where they listen, what their investing journey is like, um, and how some people who are just new to investing are starting to realize that they have expertise that they can put to use in their investing. Um, and I'm not going to name names, but let me just make up a name. Let's just say Darren. Let's just say Darren is a guy that I talked to who, I'll make up another name, was brought by his friend uh, Hovsep. And, uh, you know, Darren starting to realize, hey, I can actually use my bachelor's degree, and I can put it to use and become an investor. So it's great. It's great to see people get excited about stock investing, particularly um, at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Not usually the sort of conversation you have in bars. Although, frankly, since I've started at The Fool, a lot of my conversations in bars have been about 401ks. So I guess it's just sort of how life goes sometimes. That is. That is. Um, so we're here in San Francisco because we've got uh, an event on Friday for uh, members of our Motley Fool One service, an all-day event uh, with some main stage presentations, but also some breakout presentations. You're going to be doing one of those um, focused on healthcare, biotech, the age of miracles. I know that phrase is, is part of... Uh, the headline. So just kudos on the headline. Cause that like, I, I was just looking at the breakout session. And I was like, age of miracles. I want, <laughs> I'm to, in. <laughs> I want to invest in the age of miracles. Um, real quick. What, uh, what are you going to be talking about? So the 32nd elevator pitch, which as Chris and anyone who knows me can tell you will be longer than 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm settling into this comfortable chair. <laughs> call it, call it a minute 30. Um, <clears throat> is that we have some really, really interesting trends um, showing up in uh, cancer treatment and cancer care, sort of across that spectrum of care, from treatment upstream to um, detection upstream, even potentially one day to prediction. And what uh, Christine Harges, who is industry-focused as healthcare um, 
uh, host. She hosts the Wednesday uh, healthcare show. Um, she and I are going to be talking about kind of three major stories that we see developing and kind of talking through both how potentially someone could invest in those stories, but also what we as investors can broadly learn from those stories to apply elsewhere, whether it's in healthcare or even across other sectors. And so it's a conversation we're really excited about because these stories are sufficiently developed that we can kind of see where things are going. You know, it's sort of like that point in the Super Bowl when you can kind of tell who's going to win. But there's still enough of the game left that um, not all that growth and opportunity has been priced in yet, and there could still be some fun surprises. What do you think for people, because healthcare is so big, the industry is so big, and you could spend... A, a lifetime? A <laughs> lifetime. You could send, I mean, conservatively, you could spend a year as an investor just focusing in on one piece of the healthcare industry in terms of trying to find investments. For people who are just sort of dipping their toe into this area what is what is sort of one thing that they should keep in mind and it can be hey don't be fooled by x or it could be here's where you want to start so in my opinion the best place to start in a sector that you don't know is <clears throat> with someone big so when you look at uh, Johnson Johnson, Pfizer, you know, some of these companies you've probably heard of, even if you don't know anything about healthcare. You know, you know Johnson Johnson from Tylenol and Band-Aids, right? That's less than 20% of their business. Over 80% of their business is medical devices and pharma. And they are a, a leader in so many different areas that there's a real opportunity to kind of begin to understand those. Um, and so it, this is an approach, by the way, that I didn't make up. David Gardner actually recommended it in something that, uh, in an interview that I watched actually before I came to The Motley Fool, where he said, you know, when you don't really know something, start with one of the big market leaders. Does that necessarily mean you're going to hugely beat the market? Probably not. But it gives you this opportunity to really kind of understand how a big leader is thinking about the space. And then over time, you can kind of develop expertise. I believe that the best way to learn a sector is to invest in it. And so if you have that first healthcare investment, eventually over time, you'll be like, oh, this other company, they're kind of eating Johnson & Johnson's lunch in this area or Pfizer's lunch in this area. And then you kind of get those opportunities to really start thinking about market beating and, you know, hopefully the sort of 10 and 50 and 100 baggers that we all hope for in our investing so that we can retire well. Do you think it's a mistake when you hear people talking about smaller companies, particularly in biotech, and one of the top two or three reasons that someone is laying out for this is why you should consider buying shares of this stock has to do with they're going to get bought. Is that a mistake or is it like, no, actually, that's for most small up and coming biotech companies, that's kind of the business plan. So in a lot of ways, that is the business plan. But the thing is that um, they're only one half of that, right? So uh, the question is then whether somebody wants to buy them. And I and, and at what price? Right, right. Kind of like we talked about with lending money. It's like, we'll lend you money, but the, you're not going to like the interest rates. It's like, oh, we'll buy your little company. You just aren't going to like the price. Yeah. And I would say, generally speaking, um, I think that um, approaching uh, a company because you're excited about its buyout prospects is a mistake. I would say you should um, always approach a company basically, do you like the company on its own? Do you like the company's prospects on its own? You know, this small biotech, like what do you think are its chances of actually bringing its drug to market and figuring out how to market it itself? And there are definitely things that can happen along the way that can help that out, but you've gotta be comfortable with that thesis 
for the company on its own. And um, I have never bought a company based on my expectation that it would get bought, which I'm thrilled with because frankly, the companies I've bought don't get bought out. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here, particularly since you basically just like got off the plane, got here, got showered up, and then sat down to do this. So thanks for doing this. Happy to be here. Check out Michael Douglas every Monday on Industry Focus. It is the other daily podcast here at The Motley Fool. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fool. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to